the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman, your happy host, coming to you on another fantastic Saturday. Now, this show I've been looking forward to for a while, and I've got two, well, let's just say I've enlarged my cast of characters twofold today. So joining me on this show, to my right, your left, if you're playing along at home, I have the fantastic Joey Z. How you doing? <laughs> and calling in from Red Bluff, I have Big Bud from Red Bluff. Hey, Bud, how are you? Great. Hey, folks, this show, we wanted to talk a little bit about, make it a special show for those of us who have or are hunting in the state of the People's Republic of Occupied California. Now, we have to do a lot of difficult things in our lives, but one of the things that's very difficult is to have an enjoyable hunt on public land in the People's Republic of Occupied California. Down here in Southern California, we have a couple of deer zones. One's called D11, one's called D14. Those are probably the two most popular. Uh, We have some peripheral zones. We have the D15, which is basically the Cleveland Forest, otherwise known as the Weed Patch. And then uh, all the deer live in Orange County in somebody's backyard. And then... um, we have D19, which is the Idlewild Mountains, and there's some nice spots up there, but you have to really search them out. And then D17, which is the desert way out there, which has actually become a quite a premium hunting spot. Absolutely. Yeah, there's some monster bucks out there, and uh, it does take a couple of points to draw it, but there are there's some really neat, unique desert-style hunting uh, available in there, almost like you were hunting in Mexico, because they are really the same deer. There's some big... Uh, D17, you always look at the pictures, and there's some... Definitely some big so, here. I, I saw a guy took 17. A, I saw a monster come out of there last year. It was just unbelievable. It, I think it was something in the neighborhood of 230, 240 inches. It was just a huge, huge buck. And these are public land. And that's what I wanted to bring out today was a couple of guys who have hunted public land or are currently hunting public land. And, uh, you know, number one, we're going to tell some stories. Number two, we're going to commiserate about this state of our public lands it's a tough one to hunt definitely a tough one to hunt and and throw out some pointers out there because i think that the cure for california now a lot of californians are leaving the state and basically they're good people who are leaving the state because they're just tired of the malarkey we all feel every single day i think that's the problem i think we have to stop it i believe we need to set up borders on California. Don't let any more good people go. Realize that California has an infection and we shouldn't let the other 49 states go crazy with this infection. We need to work on the cure here. 
we need to fix California because, well, that's where we live. And, and if, if it spreads to Texas, if it spreads to Arizona, the nation's lost, right? It's a plague. It's so a gotta, plague. We've got we to contain it. Yeah, let's, let's quarantine the lunacy to California. I think it's the only move we have for this. What do you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. That sounds good. Yeah. So don't let anybody else who is a conservative, a gun owner, uh, owns a business, has assets, don't let them leave the state. Start kicking out the lunatics. We have to change what's going on here. So, um, so off the side here, I'm going to go to Joey Z. Joey Z sitting over here on my right, folks. He is a hunter who started early age with his dad chasing birds here in Southern California. How you doing? Yeah, I started. Uh, I started when I was approximately about eight years old. Um, my dad was a big bird hunter. Did you have no front teeth? <laughs> I, don't, I probably didn't because they were probably falling out by then. <laughs> I started out. Uh, Eight, just kind of tag along with my dad. Um, by the time I turned 10, I had already, uh, I took the hunter safety course um, right down here in Redlands, Trap and Skeet, and um, I passed it. it was, I remember then it was a little bit shorter, of course, than now nowadays. Um, I passed it. We went straight over to the Walmart. I got my hunting license, and then we started doing bird hunting. Um, I remember my first shotgun being a, How old are you? I'm 32 now. So this would have been 20 years ago. Yeah, 20, 20 years ago. Um <clears throat> remember my first shotgun being a 410 my dad got me a single shot 410 which probably wasn't a great idea because 410 ammo then was even expensive <laughs> but it was a single shot you weren't going to shoot that it was many. a single shot yeah so i took it out probably exactly one trip and then i took his um he had a, a smith and wesson 1000 which oh i remember the semi-auto yeah yes yeah, semi-auto most people don't realize but yeah semi-automatic um shotgun beautiful shotgun very lightweight well, well balanced and I and I took that from him, and I said, "Dad, I'm gonna use this." Was it a 12 gauge? 12 gauge. 12 years old, 12 gauge. That'll work. Yeah. And uh, I just remember I was I was whacking I was whacking some uh, some quail, and I was having a blast. So then, the next summer came along, and I did some summer summer work. Um, helped him finish some concrete and do some general contracting stuff. And I went and purchased my first 12 gauge, which was a, a Mossberg uh, 500, and um, just a 12 gauge pump and. Um, it's still in my family, by the way. And uh, I went that following year to Dove and going down to Parker, Arizona, um, where we hunt Dove every year. I've been, been doing Dove and Parker for over 22 years. I think I missed one year because um, I was in Marine Corps boot camp. I was down in San Diego. So, but uh, Raw. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, th- thank you for your service, boss. Thank you. Thank you. And um, so after that, chasing, uh, chasing a lot of, of Upland Bird. Um, a lot of chucker. I, I live out here towards the desert, so the desert's uh, pretty easy. So I was able to chase a lot of chucker out towards Victorville, out towards Barstow. Um, Back when you can actually hunt in that area? There are a lot of areas that, you know, side by side and uh, trails didn't get taken over. And, and that, now it's a big old preserve? Yeah, now it's a preserve. Are they going to tear up the roads? Absolutely. Um, or, yeah. Thank you, Diane Feinstein. Thank you, all you liberal uh, uh, green weenie and viral Nazis. Oh, it's ridiculous. It gets worse and worse every year. And, um, so, you know, I started doing a lot of quail hunting and, and, you know, I, I look back now and a lot of the quail spots that I used to hunt are now houses yeah. and that was, that was public land. It wasn't posted. It was public right. land. You know, I remember getting stopped by fishing game wardens and talked to them and all right, good luck. Have, you know, let me see your license and everything. I showed them and everything. And, uh, I went on with my hunt that day. And now those same spots are, are, um, houses are on those spots. And, you know, so we're losing a lot of public land. And uh, in California, it's, it's getting an alarming harder. rate. It's getting harder and harder to hunt. But um, the ones that want to become 
successful uh, are going to still do so. I put on a whole lot more miles now than I used to. Um, I can go out on, on trips and I'll put on, you know, 10 to 15 miles um, on a trip. So sometimes getting in, not, not necessarily bird hunting, but when I get into my, it's a long bird hunt when I get into my bigger areas, but sometimes when I do get into my bird hunt areas, I, I'll get two miles back. Yeah. If you need, and, if you're going to chase mountain quail, you're going to be up the hill. And, uh, you know what I've noticed that actually this year, the mountain quail populations are insane. Uh, I've seen more mountain quail this year. I think a lot of the water, we got a lot of water this year in Southern California. Um, D11 and D14, the numbers are up there in uh, in mountain quail. Yeah, mountain so, quail are really a nice bird, too. Beautiful birds, beautiful birds. And big. Um, yeah, they're the, uh, I think they're probably the biggest quail. Biggest species. I've seen. Yeah. So, of course, we we have to judge them off of valley quail, which are probably very small, considering gamble. Gambles are, are generally a lot bigger, too. So, But um, it started hunting and then uh, got into you know deer hunting and... Uh, I remember getting, you know, deer D14 tags and and trying my first year D14 and and I was lost. I was lost. Uh learned a lot. Uh every trip that I go out, I learn even more. Um between tracking, between fresh sign, between old sign, um movements. Uh mule deer will have a huge area. Unlike whitetail, whitetail will stay in a a small area. Um mule deer will cover a huge area. Take so two. You can you can see that deer once every ten days in a ten square mile area, or or they'll go nocturnal. I mean, one of the things is let's say that the water source is at the bottom of the hill. Well, uh, they start walking down at dark. They drink their water. They eat all day. They start walking back up at dark, and so they made that trek through that big open area. But it was dark when they did it. Absolutely, and and, and a lot of that has to, especially during hunting season, general season, um, you. The deer that I saw um, around the beginning of summer that I was I was watching, they disappeared during general season. And I'm sure they're going to come back. I got an archery tag, and I'm hoping to fill. And um, it's still open until the end of the year. So uh, those deer, I'm hoping they, they come they come back. They change their movement. Of course, well, weather. So. And the other thing that doesn't help us, I'm, and uh, Ed, you're up there in Northern California, or Bud, sorry. Uh, you're up there in Northern California. I don't know about your seasons, but in Southern California, our rut, the rut for the bucks starts about the second, first or second week in November, okay? Yeah, it's about the same up here. They get a little bit squirrely around around uh, uh, Halloween, but really, they're in it the second week in November. And the problem is, our, our uh, deer season runs from the hottest part of the year, <laughs> October, to the beginning of November, mm-hmm. and just about the time it's going to get good, it's over. Yeah, and, same thing here. It's terrible. You know, I was talking to a warden, not not in this state. Um, I was talking to a warden in another state, and and they purposely do that. They purposely change the change it so they don't want everybody hunting during the rut because uh, the deer get stupid. Well, well, you know, take a look at the A zone, right? They hunt them in the middle of the summer. Some of them are still in velvet. It's 105 degrees now, and the bad thing is, you take an animal, it's 105 degrees. You've got to you've got work to get that, you know, lose the meat. You know, there's a lot of different things that happen with that. Folks, this is Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. We're going to come right back here. I've got Bud from Red Bluff, and I've got Joey Z here, our Southern California hunter. We're going to talk about hunting in Southern California and how to be successful. Right back after this. A message from Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, or recreational shooting, it is important to take the next step 
and become a responsible gun owner. We highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training class, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essentials to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, and with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For information about certified firearm training classes, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or check out their schedule of classes at bullseyesport.com. Because of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, we believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM 590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside and Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Hey, folks, welcome back to Boomstick Radio, and you know that every week on the Firing Line Radio Show, our conversation is going to revolve around firearms, hunting, gun rights, and everything good afforded all Americans under the Second Amendment of the Constitution. And our faithful companion in this battle to uphold these rights has been our longtime sponsor, Vince Torres at Bullseye's Bullseye Sports, Guns, and Ammo in Riverside. If you're looking for great holiday deals on guns, ammo, and accessories, then don't miss Bullseye Sports' huge Black Gun Friday sale. Next Friday and Saturday, there'll be unbelievable savings on selected firearms and ammo, and you better get there early so you don't miss out on some of the items that are limited on availability. Doors open early at 9 a.m. and break down the doorbuster prices all throughout the store. Check out all the money savings at Black Friday deals at bullseyesport.com. That's bullseyesport.com. Or tap the AM590 mobile app. Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo in Riverside, where the Inland Empire gets their guns and ammo. Uh, it's a great place to shop. I highly recommend Joey Z you're shopping there, right? I'm going to go, yeah. Joey Z's shopping out. there. Go check it out. It's, you know, I encourage everybody to go check it out. Why have Black Friday when you can have Black Gun Friday? Yeah. Or Black That's Rifle it. Friday. That's it. It's the only shopping I do anyways. Sporting, <laughs> exactly. Sporting goods on Black Friday. I don't, Every, everybody I don't else is getting a gift certificate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, and Bullseye Sports has gift certificates, so go there. Hey, folks, joining us here, uh, if you have, are just joining us right back, I have Big Bud from Red Bluff. He's uh, calling in, and uh, to my right, to your left, if you're playing along at home, I have Joey Z. Joey Z, uh, we just talked about how you got started in hunting, and, and it really was a family affair, and mm-hmm. started off with bird hunting and so forth. Bud, how about you? Well, I come from a big family up here in Superior, California. My dad started with the fishing game uh, when he got out of the Navy after World War II. He was a uh, trapper. And back then, they deputized those guys, so he was a trapper deputy warden. Uh-huh. And um, I've got four older brothers and an older sister. And 
being the youngest, as the other ones went off to school, my dad took me to work. And um, I spent a lot of time in the field as a kid with my dad. And um, that's how I got started hunting and trapping. And um, we, uh, we took a lot of deer. We raised cattle, um, trapped, fished, you know, the good life. And I've seen that deteriorate to a point where it's alarming. And, um, you know, what to do about it, I don't know. You know, there is no easy answer. So... Well, it's people's personal choices. I think I think they are lost in the world of Xbox, you know, and uh, you think about it, they don't know where food comes from. You know, even, uh, you know, it, everything comes wrapped in cellophane. They don't realize what happened to happen for you to have that tri-tip sandwich. And then you have the environmentalists and the, the vegans pushing things out there that uh, everything is cruel, except they don't understand what happens to create farmland for them to have soybeans so they can have their tofu. You know, everything is displaced. The uh, the big farm areas, they used to have herds of antelope and they used to have herds of deer and, and uh, actually the elk used to live out there. Well, now it's all farmland so they can grow soybeans so they can get moobs. And, um, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's the it's, tofu people's problem. It is. People, right. People don't know where their food comes from anymore. That's, that's the biggest problem. There's a huge disconnect. You know, there's yeah. a big disconnect. The Humane Society of the United States is not oh, going to hey, be happy hey, hey. until that is we're not what that's all... not their name, bud. <laughs> okay, well, you call... are the hypocritical society of urban snobs. Okay, there you go. These H-S-U-S. people aren't going to be happy until we're all prohibited from any kind of um, consumption of anything with a face. They're trying to ruin Arizona next. They're on. Oh, yeah, they're on. They're on it. They are they're... attacking the sportsmen. So yes. again, the the uh, hypocritical society of urban snobs. When they're not killing animals in their shelter, they are right. buying. They are buying politicians to try and make rules. They have ruined California because they got a hold of the last Fish and Game Commission, and they gave us uh, AB seven eleven, which is the non lead. Okay, right. Let, let's talk about that non lead. I use cutting-edge bullets. They are the best monolith bullets for performance. If you want to have a non-lead that's going to be accurate, have great ballistic coefficient, and terminal performance, they're it. The other ones that start with a B, which I won't mention their name, but the it sounds like a uh, big red door. The, the sellouts? <laughs> yeah, those guys. Um, you know, they they have terrible terminal performance. They don't expand. And, and so the nice thing is if you had a Nosler ballistic tip or a Hornaday interlock or, or a AMAX or something like that, when you hit an animal, all the energy was sent into the vital organs and it was incapacitated immediately this solid monolith bullets uh, especially the barns just frank the barns they pinhole things they are not they're not a humane bullet it's like the nato round it's designed yeah. specifically to injure mm-hmm. your enemy so it takes two men to carry him off the field we're going to lose more animals because of this yeah and you're, you a- end up being a much better tracker which frankly i want to be a very <laughs> poor tracker because when my gun goes off a better packer yeah be better pack packer than out. tracker exactly <laughs> tracker. <laughs> right you can either be a packer or a tracker <laughs> yeah I got some good packs. I would rather pack my meat out than than to track it down a few miles. So you started off real early hunting with your dad uh, as he was on, on his trap line, right? Yeah, and um, he as as a diver in World War II, a salvage diver, he had blown an eardrum, so he couldn't hear. So he always kept me right at his side, so I could hear what was going on. And that would be during archery season. And um, we have a lot of national forest around here, but we also have an equally large tracts of timberlands owned by a large timber 
corporation that is like third largest in the United States. I don't know if I should mention their name or not, but they allow hunting. They just don't allow any motor vehicle use That's... unless the road is designated. So and how does one a... get on their land? you just contact them? No, you just go. Part of the problem is, though, that that particular habitat is intermediate range. And because of poor forest management, it is overgrown terribly. And there's no feed. And this is, a lot of people want to say the predator is the problem with our deer herd. And it is, okay, there's a big problem with predators. But the biggest problem is when these does are pregnant and they move into, and specifically migratory, it doesn't matter if they're migratory or non-resident. If they don't have good feed, they're going to have poor fawn weight. They're going to have stillburn, stillbirth. They're going to have all kinds of problems with these animals. And that impacts the herd. You know, it's it's important. We were actually talking about this off air a little earlier. Uh, Joey Z and I, uh-huh. dude, I love your name, man. Joey Z, it's <laughs> awesome. Z, Jay Z, not Jay Z, not Jay Z, no, 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 no not Jay Z. We, we don't, don't do no Jay Z here. <laughs> <laughs> it's Joey Z. Um, he he had a choice. You know, he was either gonna be a gangster or a hunter. So, <laughs> look, look where I'm at now. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we were talking about this. In Southern California, we have something. Well, let's just let's pick on the San Bernardino National Forest. Yes, I'm calling you out. San Bernardino National Forest years ago stopped all logging. Okay? They stopped prescribed burns because the Southern California AQMD wouldn't let them burn because it put smoke in the air. Imagine that. Right. Um, then they started tearing up roads because the Clinton Roadless Initiative happened in 99 when they declared a big area wilderness. They have to take out all the roads, let them all rot. So there's no access to a lot of heavily forested areas. And then we had a seven-year drought. I don't know what your drought was like up there where you are, bud, but it sucked down here. And the problem is when you have too many trees and one drainage and they're all sucking water, yep. it kills the entire drainage. They're, they're blaming it on the beetles, which we had a lot of beetles and a lot of beetle kills. But when all those big trees, and when half of them shouldn't be there from fire or for deforesting, when all those big trees are in that drainage sucking it dry, not only does it dry out the entire drainage and kill all those trees where that entire canyon is now dead wood, it also drains the springs at the bottom where the animals used to be able to go and get their water. Right. So so then when we have, you know, an idiot lights a fire, um, it doesn't burn a little bit. You know, in 1978, the biggest fire we had out here was like 10,000 acres. Now a 10,000 acres called a starter kit. Right, um, and they're burning at temperatures. Two thousand degrees. Yeah. Lava flows at twelve hundred degrees to twenty four hundred degrees. Some of these fires, this fire where I live, the two thousand twelve Ponderosa fire, burned three thousand five hundred degrees. It melted the ground. It, yeah, it makes it like glass. Rock. And then you have the heavy rains and all the erosion. Everything that they wanted to stop happens because they haven't let nature take its course. When That's we right. had 39 inches of rain come through after after a 200,000 acre fire, the whole front of the mountain slipped. You That's had, right. you know, 4 feet of mud going through neighborhoods. Um and this folks, this is the now it's the park service, they were the forest service. This is their fault. You'll never find an environmental disaster not caused by an environmentalist. That's all I'm going to say on that one. 100%. That's true. 100%. I mean, you know, so they, have, they have mismanaged our, our woods to the point where the animals are suffering, the fire danger is through the roof, and they retire with their pensions. Nobody gets fired for that. Right. So there has been a, a movement in the past, and it started in Yellowstone with allowing these fires in these pristine areas to go ahead and burn. 
and the result has been phenomenal. For example, where I live, there were two fires in 2012. There was one in Lassen National Park, and it burned out of the park into Lassen National Forest. And it was, I don't know, 35 square miles. This one here was 44 square miles. That's huge. Hey, I need to run. We're going to hit a break right here. We'll pick it up after that. This is Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out on our website, Firing Line Radio Show. Uh, on on Facebook website is firinglightradio.com. We'll be right back after this. Are you an expert marksman looking for a clean, safe place to shoot? Or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn? Well, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the best place to work on your shooting skills, no matter what your experience level is. With 21,000 square feet of indoor range space, 35 shooting lanes, and an electronic target retrieval system, it means no line breaks and more trigger time. The friendly people at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range can answer all your questions about firearms training, self-defense training, firearm rentals, gunsmithing, archery, and and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of the Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range and CCW Safe. Spartans, lay down your weapons. Persians, come and get them. Hey, folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. This is the public land do it yourself hunk show. Uh, Philip Naiman here with Joey Z, wingman. Here it is. <laughs> That's it. And Big Bud from Red Bluff. You just heard him talking about it. Now, Bud's got a lot of experience up in Northern California. Um, we were just talking about some of the habitat terrains. And what has happened in California is we've had a uh, – the Green Weenie Nazis have taken over the Forest Service and the Park Service. And, and with fire suppression, they have changed. They've altered the landscape from what it was a hundred years ago. If you don't believe me, look at some of the photographs from Ansel Adams, you know, uh, of the what the Sierras looked like originally and what they look like now. And there are so many more trees, which they might think is great, but it's terrible habitat and it's a huge fire danger. Um, you know, one of the things you said off the air there, Bud, is is uh, ranchers used to light the grassland on fire. And yep. that might sound really cruel, but in the wintertime, it's not going to burn like crazy. It get rid- gets rid of a lot of the old duff, and it creates a nitrogen-rich ground for fresh growth the next year. And that's what gets these animals in there, and that's what makes them healthy. Yeah. And, and then the exactly herd right. increases. All right, so let's, okay, we can't fix stupid. I mean, the, um, the no. Forest Service. So let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> And park service, don't, don't, don't let them off the hook. Um, let's move on to hunting in Southern California. So I'm going to jump over here to Joey Z. We've got a couple of different zones, D11, D14, D19, D15. Give me your take on those. You know what? D11 is a very rewarding zone. There, there, are, there are some big uh, deer. Now, D, he's saying D11. this, folks. D11 has about a 6% success rate. It's a very low success rate. That's what I'm going to go next is the success rate is very low, but there are there are some very rewarding deer, um, it, but it's not coming from the roads. You can't road hunt, which you see a lot of road hunters in um, D11. You have to you have to put on a pack, you have to hike in, and you have to really just sit, listen, and look. And um, it's called hunting. 
it, it's yeah, according it, to Fishing Game, there was a seven point seven percent success in two thousand sixteen in D eleven. And I mean, that might that uh, was a good year. Yeah, it was a good year. I mean, because <laughs> I think in the neighboring division or neighboring unit, um, or unit D fourteen zone uh, D fourteen, it's ten or eleven. I think. I think it was like eight or nine. I don't yeah, even think right, it's yeah. that high. Uh, I don't think it used double, to be double digits. Yeah. But um, you know they're selling out on their tags on a lot of these. Uh, and I know D fourteen they sold out this year. Yeah, they, um, sold, they, sold, they sold out every out year. Last year, D fourteen sells out every year. It usually doesn't sell out in the draw, but by August, September, it's, it's done. It's sold out, which it's. That's, I think it's going to be a lottery coming in the next few years because I I read on Fishing Games website if uh, if it sells out between a certain date or before a certain date, then it actually will become a draw. Well, they're all draws anyway. They, they are all draws. Some so, of them are first come, first serve. Well, they're first well, come, first serve yeah. while there are tags. Yes, while there are tags. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah. before January 2nd, you need to put in for the draw. So you put in for your premium hunt, and then you put in D14 or D11 as your second or third choice. Right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless you want to start accumulating those points. Yeah. So right. you would, well, that way you would <clears throat> accumulate points if you don't get a premium hunt mm-hmm. and still get your D11 or D14 tag. Absolutely, absolutely. Or 15 or 19. So or you can still get out. And, you know, the, the major thing is I, I like to go hunting to get out, get away, reset, um, hike. It's not all. It's it. It's about the rewarding, finding the harvest, getting the kill. Uh, but it's also about hike, the hunt. Um, it, it's truly the hunt, you, getting out and putting on those miles. Because when you get that animal, it's that much more rewarding. It tastes that much better. And, and you know, it's kind of fun to drive down the hill. <laughs> With a deer in the back. Yeah. It is. It's awesome. It is. One time we took this big four by, um, and as we're coming down the hill, there actually was a forest fire. So sheriffs had the roads stopped. And the way we used to hunt, we didn't have pickup trucks. I mean, I'm talking about when I'm like 19, 20 years old. So I had a Baja bug, and I'd take out the front seat on the passenger side. You just lay a whole deer in there. That was. <laughs> <laughs> so we come down the hill, and there's this buck. My buddy shot him. It's a beautiful four-by. He's sitting on the floor with his back coming up, and it looks like he's looking out the window as we're driving up to the sheriff. <laughs> but but for, it, was a, it was an interesting day. But for D11, I mean, it is, it's a hard zone to hunt. If, you, if it's your first year deer hunting, um, it's definitely going to be a challenge. Um, definitely in the off season, I would prepare for a lot of hiking. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about D11. D11, I believe, is the the best crucible to learn to become a good hunter. There are not a lot of animals. You're talking on average one per square mile. I think is the yes. density that they talk about. That's not a lot of animals. And then there, there. What that means is there's many, many miles with nothing. And, and if you, smaller pockets with a lot of them. And there's those many miles of nothing. If you look on the ground, there's no feed. There's no deer because there's no feed. And so there, you, you can might learn. have shelter and water, but you don't have food. You have to have food, shelter, and water in order right. to have a herd. So you can learn what kind of terrain is going to support deer. The second thing is our mountains are steep and they're crumbly. It's not like you're in the Sierras where every step's on a rock and you're pushing up the mountain or the Rocky Absolutely. Mountains. This is one step up, half a step back. I mean, and uh, there's been many times we're going up a canyon where you're reaching forward, grabbing onto bushes to pull yourself up and through. Many, many times. Exactly. And I've, and I've slid down and, and you know, you, you learn how to do a controlled slide and, you know, slide down a little bit. And, then and when you, you have to of... cross a scree area, how to do a quick step. Yeah. You, have, yeah. you get a little rapid feet going. Because it is. it is the ground's falling out behind you. It's not. Yeah, this country where I'm at is flat compared to that stuff. Wow. <laughs> 
this you have to be part mountain yeah goat. this is this is pretty amazing stuff and you need to learn to shoot far because you can be on one canyon wall and the animal on another and it's three four hundred yards away which is not you know that's just across a canyon um so you've got to be able to make your shots the animals are few and far between and it's hot it is hotter than heck on opening day and you can almost put your calendar down to the santa annas are going to start on opening day of d11 you know what that's when the wind is i'm i'm i live day close and the the windy season is pretty much starts right there in the middle of october it starts at sunrise opening day (laughs) for d11 and it's 45 miles an hour it's a hot wind yeah. So this whole scent block stuff and wearing scent block, it's kind of worthless because you have to wear such thin, thin hunting clothes. Otherwise, you're going to overheat hiking through those mountains. And water. Water is the key in, in hunting in D11. Animals will move a long distance for water. So, you know, if you look at the terrain, like the East Fork or West Fork or North Fork, there's always water in the bottom of those and some of the Absolutely. parameters. So there's animals up on those hills, but there's not animals next to the road. You know, I, I always carry um, between four and five quarts of water. Um, and and then I also have a life straw on me too in my pack. And it's just one of my, my survival things. Well, the good thing is there's no jardia in that water. If you're up there that high, you're fine. Yeah. I've been drinking it for 30 years. (laughs) So So, (laughs) there's, it's so few water. It's, there's, there's no cattle. You're good. Yeah. And then, so, you know, I, I bring that just as a precaution, but definitely hard hunting. And then you get over into the D14 it's a smaller uh, zone than D11, because D11 goes way from the Cone Huge, Pass yeah. all the way over into L.A. County, and three-quarters of it's in, in L.A. County, or actually more than that. More than that, yeah. And and D14 has a lot of private, not private, but non-hunting area, at least not non-rifle hunting. The whole Big Bear Valley you can't hunt in mm-hmm. with a rifle. The whole Santa Ana River Canyon is supposed to be shotgun only. Yeah. Uh, you guys don't realize that, but if you look on the on the shooting map, you mm-hmm. know, uh, Forest Falls is shotgun only. On the On the very far west side. Uh, D11, a lot of that shotgun only. Yeah, um, um, uh, Mount Baldy. On the, I'm sorry, D, I'm sorry, not D11, D14, D14, the very far west side of. Uh, yeah, the whole front range. Yeah, is all is all uh, shotgun. So. Yeah, so I mean, you have to be careful with what you're doing out there. But I'm telling you, if you learn to get up early and find the kind of terrain that that deer like. Uh, and get a good set of optics, you'll be able to find animals. I'm actually going to hunt, D, I think, D14 next year. I'm going to go with that. It's all about putting in the time scouting. Getting some good binos and uh, with some good, you know, good glass and just sit and watch and watch and watch. These deer might be hiding under or laying bedding underneath trees or bushes and you got to wait for them to move to see them because they are literally the gray ghosts of these valleys. They yeah. own these valleys. Yeah, You're they just are, a visitor. It is amazing um, what these poor little guys will go through. And, and I think here's the point that I wanted to bring home. If you are a successful hunter... In Southern California, in the D11, D14, 15, 19 zones, and you happen to decide to hunt out of state, you will be a hunting god. It is amazing. If you learn how to find animals here, when you go to Colorado, you'd be like, this is stupid. I packed out an elk two and a half miles from the nearest road uphill. Yeah, up in Idaho this year. In Idaho this year. Congratulations. Four by four elk out there. On your own. On my solo hunt by myself. Four by four elk, 215 yards away. And that's the other thing you have to learn hunting in Southern California. You need to learn how to bone out a deer because when it's 100 degrees, you've got an animal on the ground, and you're a mile and a half from the road, you're not going to drag a mile and a half and be able to eat that meat. It'll be spoiled. I mean, I've seen nightmares. So you need to learn how to process in the field and how to be expedient. I'm my own butcher. I I do all my own packaging and butchering. our, Our record was 11 minutes to bone out a deer. 
That was pretty Use that little bit tired. <laughs> By the time well, I it, get wasn't, there. it wasn't a big one. But <laughs> That's quick, though, yeah. Yeah. So, folks, Philip Neyman, Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out at firinglineradio.com. We're going to come back here with Bud from Red Bluff. Tell us what's going on in Northern California right after this. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use of force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Hey, folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out at firinglineradio.com. Our podcasts are there. Yes, you can get this show on podcast. Where? Where? I got it on podcast. At firinglineradio.com. <laughs> You're going to love that. Uh, and check us out on our Facebook page, Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out. We're pretty active on that, telling you what we think. Because, well, we have big mouths. It's good. That's good. Hey, um, <laughs> joining us here, I got Bud from Red Bluff. Now, we just were giving the whole expose on Southern California, basically depressing everybody. But how's hunting up there in Northern California? You know, we've seen tag quotas cut in half in the past decade. We've seen a lot of wildfire suppression in both winter range, intermediate, and summer range. We have a lot of migratory deer in this part of the state. Um, we have a real crisis here with the lack of feed a huge predator population. We're even seeing, um, I think I sent you a picture off a trail cam of a wolf 135 yards behind my house. Um, we have That wolf has more rights than you do, my friend. I know, it absolutely. Does. We have a serious problem. We, I have a, a buddy who has trail cams out, and he's got video after video after video of lions in large social groups hunting together. This is alarming because... What's going on is there's no feed. The deer are being killed by cars. They're being killed by disease because of the, the immunity problems that they're having because of the feed. And they're being taken out by predators. Um, naturally, lions like a lot of cover to hunt in, but, you know, the wolf doesn't. Now, now we've got these damn wolves running around in here, and everybody's, like, scratching their heads. And you look at the, the Endangered Species Act, but there's a thing in there. There's a little quotation in there that says in, incidental take. And if you dig deeper into that, we have rights. If that damn animal is coming after your livestock and stuff like that, Fish and Game wants you to haze him with a gunshot. You know what? It's like economic value of, of livestock and the life and limb of human beings. Well, maybe, maybe Bud, bull. maybe you meant to haze it, but you jerked the trigger a little lower. Right. And a lot of people say, well, just shovel, shoot, shoot, shovel, and shut up. Well, you know, I learned a lot from my dad by watching him trap and stuff like that. 
And, you know, it's like a lot of people get out there and they want to talk about these kinds of things. You know, it's like, oh, shoot that wolf dead. Well, don't tell anybody. Yeah, they missed the shut up part about that. <laughs> I don't, you know, I tell you what, there's a lot of keyboard warriors, keyboard commandos. Absolutely. And, Amen. Know, it's a bunch of, bunch of fooey. You know, the, um, the thing is, if, you are, if you're threatened by a mountain lion, take the mountain lion. That's the end yeah. of the story. Um, These animals generally wolf, will run away when they encounter you. Know, you don't, your life is more important. And in California, under Obama, they were going to set up the grizzly monument. Oh, hey, wait a second. They're still talking about this crap. But no, no, but you don't understand. They were going to put that in the Cleveland National Forest, which is surrounded oh. by Orange County. Uh, just, it, it couldn't be a stupider place. I think they should do it in Sacramento, basically. I wonder if liberal meat's tastier than conservative meat. <laughs> you know, I don't know, but I'd like to, I'd like to do a taste test with them. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, we've seen so tag depletion up here. For example, the B zones out west where everybody can get two tags. Um, a friend of mine who owns a, a butcher shop, she was taking her sons out there, and they killed deer out there, but, you know, they worked their butts off to kill deer. They just didn't drive around. They worked their butts off. Right. Now, here on the, on the east side, on the foothills to the, to the uh, east of the Sacramento River um, Basin is um, where we have this mix of mule deer, blacktail, hybrids in here and both mule deer and blacktail by the way are subspecies to the whitetail so we get some pretty big bucks in here and we took some good bucks this year and the only reason why we've been taking good bucks in here this year is because five years ago in 2012 we had wildfires in both summer range and winter range right. where the feed increased and so that the the reward has been big bucks and and nice rain last year Yes, we got 77 inches right here at my house. Oh, wow. That ought to work. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, so that's more, that's, I would be underwater. All right, I'm going to yeah. take the next, I'm going to take the next five minutes here. I want to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, okay? Now, all of us who have started off hunting have probably done this, right? We've taken a small animal. Yeah. Uh, a, a yearling or a, a one or two year old buck. Small because little forkies. Yeah, because we didn't know any better, maybe. Or it was frustration is the only animal you saw and, you know, he was by the car or whatever. But I think that it would be awesome if we had a self-regulation. And I'm talking about these two local zones right here, D14 and D11. If the hunters of that area signed a little thing that says, I will not shoot a fork and horn under 18 inches. Because our poor little milk faces have got to get a little bit older. They, they are... Uh, you know, you don't want to show up with an 85-pound animal no. on the hoof. No. no. You know, no. it's it's a waste as of your, your time. As your fourth animal. When, maybe when you're 13 years old, 12 years old. Yeah, okay. You know. And a poor bat. Yeah, He's well, all shot up, too. Yeah, exactly. So I think, I think that it would be awesome... And I know the guys are saying, well, I'm going to, I'm going to take an animal. I bought the tag. You know what? Let's, let's think about this because if our yearlings grow one more year, all right, what are they? Well, they're 50 pounds heavier. They hit um, the rut. There's they, that many more does that they can get, they can get bred. Exactly. And, and these poor little guys are just, they don't know any better. They're standing on the side of the road going, Hey, look at me. I got these pointy things on my head. They're eight inches across. You know, real quick, Phil, I, I, uh, I hear a lot from hunters about there's a lot of does california has tons of does there's so many does well the, and then those same hunters are complaining that there's only the they're they're getting the four corns well they're not letting these deer mature they're not breeding these does so not getting much more um 
right. more of a deer population. I'm going to give you a, 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 a hot tip on what he just said right now. If you are hunting in pre-rut where there are a lot of does, you are not where the bucks are. That's right. You are not where the bucks are. The bucks are going to be above you, behind you, back in that canyon. They're not in that big open meadow next to the road where the does and the stupid little yearling is. All right? So you're in the wrong spot. If you want to find good animals, you've got to go not to where they'll be in the end of November during the rut, but where they are. And where they are is there between that feeding area, water, and the most god-awful place to bed. They're somewhere up in that zone. So turn around, look up the hill, look into the shadows with your your best optics you can, and find where they're bedded. You don't become a, a big deer by being dumb. I mean, these deer are you, smart. They know they know the pressure. Oh, they know where to go. You don't become a two-year-old by being dumb in this area. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Our X zones up here used to have a, a, a Point requirement that it had to be three-pointer better, and I think they dropped that. Yeah, I'm, because we actually have a, a hereditary. I think that it did drop it. I think we have a breed in Southern California that is more typical to be fork and horn than not. So I don't think that if we said it has to be three point or better, then we're focusing everything on the genetics that has three points or four points, right? And Uh there are very few of those at this point in time. But I think if you said it has to be an 18 inch or 16, pick pick a number that a three-year-old deer should be at, a 16 inch spread um, before you take it. Now, does that mean if it, if it, if he's 14 and three quarters inches and the guy made a mistake at 300 yards, is he going to get fined? I don't know. But what it means is if it shows up with an eight inch fork at horn, yes. Double the, double the length of, at least double the length of the ears. I mean, because there's some tall, I've seen some tall fork horns and then. Yeah. I mean, there's some great fork at horns. My buddy shot a 26 inch fork at horn. Yeah. I you know, mean, that's an awesome, awesome animal. So I'm not saying that it has to be a fork. I'm saying let it be a mature animal. So, I mean, I've shot fork and horns from 15 inches to 20 inches up here, but those were the bigger animals. All I'm saying is we need to make a pact amongst us as the hunters of this area. Let Milkface pass season two. Absolutely. See many moon. Absolutely. Because you can go back again and, and, you know, if you have your hunting spot, you can go back again and... And watch those deer grow and watch the you know the herds get bigger. Yeah. And so I think I think if you know, if you're a fishing game commission, I had one of the guys here talking about it, and they don't set all the all the regulations, but if they said, Look, here's what we want, we just want to have a minimum antler width. Height doesn't matter, points don't matter. If you've got an eighteen inch spike, you should shoot him. He's not going anywhere. All he's doing is killing deer. Oh, an eighteen yeah. inch oh, yeah. wide spike, he, well, those, he's a deer killer. Yeah, absolutely, because those spikes are yeah, because they can't lock antlers. They just stab yep. the guy. Yep. So, you know, well, I, I'm, but a eight inch spike is a different animal. That's a baby. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I think self regulation on that is let's just say he's got to be 16 inches. Maybe 18 was too much for this area. I don't know. But let's start with 16 inch fork and horn. He's got to be that width. And you better learn how to judge them in the field because that's how we're going to get our animal herds up. And if you see any long tailed bobcats, take them for a long walk off a short pier. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely, and shut up about it. And you know what? And, and coyotes. Matter of fact, a buddy of mine was telling me about a coyote he found uh, last night. It had or not a coyote? He found a deer. Its back leg was off. The thing was still alive. Well, that's a coyote kill. Coyotes are the most cruel thing. So if you want our deer herds to survive, shoot five coyotes a year, absolutely, and don't shoot the small bucks. And absolutely. we'll no, be I moving a, on. <laughs> I do a party hunt with some guys. Um, occasionally over here on a ranch, a private ranch, and um, 
I kill coyotes. I kill them. I don't care where they're at. And they're like, quit killing the coyotes. And I'm like, no, I'm killing coyotes. <laughs> yeah, they don't get it. Hey, folks, this is Philip Neyman, Firing Line Radio Show. I want to thank my special guest. I got Big Ed calling in from Red Bluff. And, folks, you got to see this black horn he shot, or Big black Bud. tail it was shot. Amazing. Um, Big Bud, sorry about that. And then I got Joey Z. Well, I got Joe's name right, Bud. Sorry about that. <laughs> I got Joey Z. Uh, we're having a great time. Enjoy your hunting season, and we'll see you all later. When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 